Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to Reaching Out Radio International, and this week's live broadcast of The Way of Healing. My name is Susan Brozak, and I'm a licensed clinical Christian psychotherapist and founder of Healing Word Psychotherapy Services, my private practice. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Tonight, we're going to be looking at healing through the lens of Isaiah 61. This beautiful chapter of scripture and the prophecy in it that was fulfilled by Jesus is the the focus of our program this evening. And as this prophecy was fulfilled by Jesus, we can see that he brings us his healing to our lives. So we'll be exploring four aspects of Jesus' ministry within Isaiah 61. Jesus as healer, Jesus as deliverer, Jesus as comforter, and Jesus as victor. We'll be breaking down each one of these aspects of Jesus' character and discussing how we can apply what they mean in our daily walk with the Lord and in the process of your own healing journey. So tonight's broadcast will be a bit different from previous in that we're going to start with a passage of scripture, provide some background on that passage, and then go into the personal application of it as it pertains to healing in a person's life. So I'd like to get started tonight with just some background. Uh, I thought it would be helpful to start out by giving a little bit of background, first about the book of Isaiah in general, and then more specifically about Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah is the first book of the major prophets in the Old Testament. So the major prophets are not called major because their messages are of more importance, which is often what what people uh, mistakenly think. But in fact, um, it's because of the length of their writings. And that length of their writings is longer than that of the minor prophets. So the book of Isaiah itself consists of 66 chapters. And here's an interesting fact for you. Some scholars look at it as a Bible within the Bible, so to speak, since our Bible consists of 66 books. In fact, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah generally focus on the southern kingdom of Judah in Israel and their coming captivity, while the last 27 chapters generally focus on the coming Messiah, like our Old Testament, which has 39 books, and our New Testament, which has 27 books. So also, the end of Isaiah talks about the new heavens and the new earth, just like the end of the New Testament talks about the new heavens and the new earth in the book of Revelation. I don't think anything is coincidental there. God's word is so deliberate and intentional, and it's it's designed in every possible way from um, a, a standpoint of Nothing being coincidental. Um, everything, like I said, is purposeful in the Word of God, down to the last detail. It truly is amazing. And that's one of the, the great things about studying the Word of God is there's nothing in there by happenstance. There's nothing in there by coincidence. Even the numbers, when you're reading through when something happened on the 11th day of a certain month or you're reading through 
um, numbers in terms of the 12 tribes of Israel. Nothing is, is um, just random. It's all then deliberately designed outside, outside of our time-space continuum by our creator God, which to me makes his word so completely amazing. And it's also kind of God's fingerprint on the fact that um, he has designed this book from outside of our time space, and, and he is the author of it. There's no way around that. So um, as we're looking at Isaiah as being sort of, as I said before, it, some scholars call it a Bible within the Bible, and that's obviously within quotes. It's, it's, meant, as, uh, it's meant to be a, a plan words in that um, it kind of is a small representation of the way the full Bible is broken down. Uh, but as we look through this tonight, um, we are going to just um, break down, as I mentioned in my introduction, those four aspects of Jesus and his attributes and see how they apply to healing in our lives. Um, so just one last comment related to this introduction about the book of Isaiah and uh, the Bible as a whole. Um, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. And I've always liked that uh, saying, that phrase. Um, we've learned that a while ago uh, when I was in Bible college, and I've heard many people use it since, and it's so very true. You can't have one without the other. It's, there's no completion there. And so this is why it's so important that we always study the whole counsel of the Word of God. A balance is key. You want to be studying both the Old Testament and the New Testament. You want to be part of a church that, that, that looks at both Testaments. Um, yes, we are living um, our days in terms of the New Testament um, era. However, we wouldn't have the New Testament if there wasn't an old one. So we have to understand how the two overlap and interlink. Um, so most of us remember the account of Isaiah. Um, in terms of how he was called as a prophet in chapter 6 of Isaiah, where he saw the Lord and the seraphim. And Isaiah's name means the Lord is salvation. So in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, which is the language that the Old Testament was penned in, it would be, Isaiah would be um, pronounced um, Yeshayah. And his vision of the Lord in, in, in chapter 6 exemplifies this when the live coal touched his mouth and the seraphim said his sin is atoned for. In chapter 40, we see another familiar prophecy that was fulfilled by John the Baptist, who, as we all know, was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. In fact, Isaiah is quoted over 65 times in the New Testament, much more than any other prophet. Jesus himself read from Isaiah in Luke chapter 4. Here, Jesus described his ministry prior to going to the cross. It was his atoning death, burial, and resurrection that put the exclamation point on all that he proclaimed to the nation of Israel during his years of ministry on earth. So let's turn now to this passage, and I will read for you the entirety of Isaiah chapter 61. And we'll see what Jesus read almost 2,000 years ago. We will read what he read as well in Luke 4. As we read, notice who is doing what and who is the recipient of what is being done. Notice also all the references to healing and setting the captives free and freedom and deliverance. 
So let's turn now to Isaiah chapter 61. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolation, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, and the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. So that's the end of Isaiah 61. And let's just take a brief look at who is writing, who is Isaiah writing to in this chapter. Well, it was primarily to the Jews that were going to be exiled in Babylon. This chapter is really a foretelling of their deliverance with the imagery such as setting the captives free, giving them beauty for ashes, binding up the brokenhearted, giving them the oil of joy for mourning. In those days, mourning was often expressed by sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And we've all heard that phrase, even used in the modern vernacular about sackcloth and ashes. And I don't, I'm not sure that people really understand that that was an actual practice done in Old Testament uh, days um, where a person, while they were grieving and mourning, would literally sit in a, um, in a, a piece of cloth um, called sackcloth and they would put ashes 
on their foreheads in the process of of the mourning and the grieving that they were doing. So this helps us understand a bit about why Isaiah uses the imagery that he does, because it was a foretelling of their deliverance. But as we've seen already, this passage was not only written to the Jews, but also to whosoever should believe in him. So that would be Gentiles as well. The Jews would be in physical bondage in Babylon, but we've all been in spiritual bondage to sin. The Jews would mourn their separation from their land, whereas we who are Gentiles have mourned in repentance our separation from God as we turned from sin and turned to Jesus for our salvation. So God, through Isaiah, was saying so much more than just the release from physical captivity and the return to the land. The message of Jesus, who was anointed as a preacher and as a prophet, was one of being a healer, a deliverer, a comforter, and a victor. Glory to our Lord. All of those things apply to us today, and we'll get into that shortly. This chapter is just such a beautiful picture of us for God's healing and freeing and restoring power. But this pro- the prophecy is also much more than just that. Um, it's also about being set free and God's restoration and the blessings that come along with that freedom. And when we truly know, as a side note, our identity in Christ, it helps us to not remain stuck where we were, but learning to walk in our new identity in him is what helps us obtain these blessings that I just uh, mentioned to you. And this is a topic, identity in Christ, uh, that I'm very uh, passionate about, as many of you may know from previous broadcasts. Um, I believe in it so much because it's transformational truth. It's understanding and applying who we are in Christ and walking it out. It's one thing to know the verses. It's one thing to read through them and know them intellectually, but it's a whole other prospect when we live them out experientially in our day-to-day walk with the Lord. It makes all the difference in the world when you can know how God sees you, and then that becomes the loudest voice. The loudest voice is no longer your own self-talk or remembering words that were spoken over you or anything that was said to you that was hurtful, other people's opinions, and so forth. That all fades into the distant background when you allow the Lord's voice um, speak to you how he views you. And that that's found in your identity in Christ. And there are over 200 scriptures um, that mention who you are in Christ. And there are previous broadcasts that I've done on that that are archived for on-demand listening. If anyone has any interest in, um, in really getting a, a more in-depth grasp on who they are in the Lord. So, Because it's transformational truth, once you know it and start to live it, you then can walk in what Jesus died for you to have. And that's what is so key as we begin to look at the the breakdown here of who Jesus is and what he gives to us um, based on Isaiah 61. So um, break down a little bit further what I just mentioned about Jesus' anointed role as healer, deliverer, comforter, and victor. So first, Jesus as healer. Jesus was sent to bind up the brokenhearted, which literally means those that are shattered in their hearts. The Jewish people's hearts were broken over their exile from the land. 
But we know that brokenness extends much more widely and deeply than that. Foremost are the effects of sin in a fallen world, which may have left many of us broken in heart for all kinds of different reasons. Jesus binding does not change what has happened in the past, but it changes us going forward if we let him. So this binding up the brokenhearted process involves an act of our will in that we need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring his healing to our hearts. I always say to my patients in my practice that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force his will on you, not even his healing will. He wants us to come to him and ask him for, our, for what we need. And it's because he's a relational God. It's not that he has a certain protocol <laughs> lined up for us, but because he's relational and because this is ultimately all about relationship, even more than it's about healing, he desires that we would come to him and seek him in relationship and ask him for his healing to begin in our lives. And so that's why it's so important um, to really have that two-way dialogue in your alone time with God, that it's not just petitioning him for your requests, which of course is very important and is a huge part of prayer, but also taking that time to be listening in response to what you would ask of him, taking the time to be listening in his presence for, for what he would choose to, you, to say to you on any given day. He has much to say to you. The issue is that we often don't give him the chance to say it. We often are in a rush. We don't still ourselves. We don't stay quiet in the midst of his presence and really listen for what he's trying to speak to us. Um, Be still and know that I am God, um, also from Isaiah, is a very important part of, of, I believe, not only our walk with the Lord, but our healing process as we turn to him and we're still before him is when we can hear him speak. And what he speaks to us when we're in that moment of seeking him is is something that can never be taken away. And it's those precious truths and um, revelation that he gives us that moves us forward as we are transformed from glory to glory and into his image. So again, um, asking the Holy Spirit to bring healing is so key when we're talking about our healing journey. For example, if you broke your arm, it would need to be bound and set in place for proper healing. You likely would not choose to just leave it alone and hope that it would heal on its own. You hopefully would choose to go to the doctor and have him set it in a cast so that it would be aligned properly for healing. So obviously, um, when something is broken, if we just sort of leave it alone or if we stay in denial or pretend that it isn't there or, or minimize it in some other way or negate it or discount it and ignore the hurt and the pain or numb the hurt and the pain, there are a lot of long-term negative ramifications for that choice. Um, that is not said out of out of any type of judgment, it's, but it is said out of speaking truth and love because the longer that you let an emotional wound fester, there's the risk that it can become infected. Just as if you were to let a physical wound in your body go untreated, it could fester as well and become infected. So it's a similar process that happens to us emotionally. 
And if you go long enough, the wound can be so infected, if you will, emotionally, that it, that you don't want anyone to get near it. It's almost like if you have um, an infection um, on, on part of your skin, for example, you don't want anyone to touch it. Somebody bumps into you accidentally, it hurts. You don't want anyone to touch it. It's a similar concept as we look at emotional healing. The longer you go without that healing, the more difficult it's going to be for you to allow someone, whether it be a therapist, a pastor, a loved one, um, to help you with the healing process because you won't want them to go near it. It's just the way that it works. And so um, the Holy Spirit's just, um, I think, moving upon me in this moment to encourage to seek healing sooner than later, to allow the Lord to heal your heart sooner rather than later. The longer you let it go, the longer your journey of healing could be. I'm not saying he can't instantaneously heal. He absolutely does. I've seen him do that. But the more common route that he does take people down is the journey of healing. And the reason for that is because there's much that we learn along the way. God is a God of the journey, not the destination necessarily. He has much to teach us as we walk with him down our healing path. So that being said, it's important that um, when you become aware of an issue that you know is problematic in your life, a stumbling block, a hurt, a bondage, um, a foothold the devil has obtained, um, wounds that are even deeper yet, that you don't tarry, that you don't just think you can leave it and minimize it for years and years. It's important that when the Lord points it out to you, that there's a response on your part. And my prayer is that that response is that you go and you seek him and you ask him to begin to start the healing journey in your life. Um, So Jesus will not only bind up our brokenness, but he will do so when we take that brokenness to him and he will do so in love. Um, So it is an act of our faith and trust to take our brokenness to him. You've likely heard an expression that I happen to use frequently in my practice as well, and that's that you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So it's okay and it's necessary to acknowledge the brokenness. There's no shame in acknowledging that you've been through some things that have hurt you. And it's necessary to do that in order to bring it to Jesus. He's waiting for you with open arms to come to him. And that's really the key with him being your healer as Isaiah 61 talks about, he just wants our hearts. He wants us to come to him with it. He wants our hearts. And that's even the bigger goal than just being healed is to draw closer in your intimate walk with the Lord. Sometimes I'll say to patients in their healing journey, is it more important for you to be healed or is it more important for you to draw closer to the Lord throughout the healing journey? And it's surprising at times because a lot of the time the answer is to be healed, but and that's good, and that's that's what my role is in people's lives. But I think it's also very important that I point out that above and beyond healing, God will use that brokenness and the healing process to draw you to himself. So cultivating that relationship is really part of um, allowing him into your heart for the healing that he wants to do. It's part of a bigger picture. It's part of the bigger picture of walking closer with the Lord and really knowing him through the valleys, not just on the mountaintops. Next, we're going to look at Jesus as deliverer. So this dovetails off of Jesus as healer. 
He came to set at liberty those who are oppressed, it says in Isaiah 61, and open the prison doors and set free those who are captive and release those who are bound. So the hurts that may have broken your heart can leave you bound, bound in fear, bound in anger, distrust, isolation, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, and so forth. I was just naming a few. There's so many ways that brokenness can cause bondage in someone's life. And in this case, I'm speaking of um, emotional types of bondage, such as uh, prolonged unforgiveness and so forth. But there's other bondage that I'll get into in a moment as well. Um, So Jesus wants to set us free and at liberty. And we've heard the scripture verse that says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is a picture of a person being able to run freely, kind of a word picture. So if you think about it for a moment, if you're bound in fear, for example, it can paralyze you, not physically, but certainly emotionally, socially, maybe even spiritually, you can choose to shrink back. Scripture also says that we are not of those who shrink back. You may feel restricted and limited. Jesus came to deliver us from those things that bind us. And this ties in with Jesus being our healer, since one outcome of letting Jesus heal our hearts is experiencing freedom and the falling off of the chains of what had previously bound us. One other area, just it's a broad area, but um, in terms of um, being in bondage, as I mentioned before, emotional bondage might be different emotions, fear, anger, unforgiveness. But there's also um, neurophysiological bondage from um, addictions such as drugs and alcohol. There can be bondage to things like pornography. Any type of addiction can be bondage and is bondage. People can get addicted to gambling. They can be addicted to pretty much anything you can think of. Um, And so Jesus died to set us free from all of that, and he wants us to live free. He doesn't want anything to be a stumbling block in our own lives. He, He wants us to walk in a manner worthy, and he wants us to not be held back by anything that is entrapping us which is what the enemy does, right? He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. He sets traps for us that we might get caught up in something and not be able to be released from it. Based on our own actions, we can open doors to the demonic realm through giving the enemy a toehold, a foothold, and eventually a stronghold. The longer you allow something to uh, have mastery over you, um, which is what happens when you're you're addicted to something. You're essentially a, a slave to whatever it is you're addicted to. The longer that you allow that, the stronger the stronghold the enemy can get, and the more difficult it can be to break free. Again, Jesus can instantaneously break somebody free from an addiction. I've seen him do it, but sometimes the path is a longer journey, and that's the more difficult path. Um, And so just um, kind of a reminder of the longer that you stay in any area of addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, food addiction, like I said, pornography, sexual addiction, gambling, whatever you want to name, fill in that blank, the more difficult it is to finally turn it around. That's why the Lord prompts us and nudges us. And that's why the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. It's not to shame us. It's not to condemn us. The word of God says that, um, 
he ha- there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's not ever done under condemnation. It's done from a standpoint of love and God's desire for us to um, walk in the spirit and walk in righteousness and not be bound by what our flesh would desire and the fleshly pull of, of the different things in this life that can bring us down. So that is uh, the portion I wanted to share with you on Jesus as deliverer. Um, the next aspect from Isaiah 61 is Jesus as comforter. So while Jesus is healing and delivering, he's also comforting. He comforts all who mourn from calamity or loss. The psalmist asks God to put his tears in a bottle, and that's Psalm 56, 8. Many of us are familiar with that from uh, various um, rendering. Sometimes we'll see drawings of this, how God bottles our tears. We've heard the verse, I'm sure. Um, Our tears never go unnoticed by God. In fact, we are told in the book of Revelation that God wipes away all tears from our eyes. So who as a parent has not wiped away the tears of a child? This is an act of compassion, and our God is more compassionate than we will ever know. Jesus not only heals our broken heart, he delivers our heart from whatever has bound us while comforting our mourning heart at the same time. Who can do all this but our mighty God? Do we take the time to praise him for what he can do for us and what he does do for us? And beyond that, do we take the time to praise him for who he is? Because we don't want to just seek his hand. We also want to seek his face. And what I mean by that is, yes, seeking him to heal us and deliver us and comfort us and all the things that he can do in our lives. Of course, we're, we're, he wants us to do that. But we also need to seek his face. And what I mean by that is simply, in Hebrew, it's alpine. It means face to face, seeking his face in worship, just praising him for who he is, worshiping him for who he is, not for what he's done for us, but just simply for who he is. In Revelation, we hear it repeated in triplicate, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In that particular passage, they are not thanking him or praising him for something specific that he did. It's strictly 100% based upon who he is. He is holy. That aspect alone um, lets us know that that's his identity. He is a holy God, and we can praise him for that in and of itself. So if you're ever caught in a moment where you want to praise God and you don't know what to say to praise him, just praise him for his holiness, and that will lead you into all other areas as well, attributes of him and all of the different um, characteristics that our God has. So, again, I just encourage that we have a lifestyle of praise, not just when he does something for us, but also sacrificial praise, praising him when we don't feel like it. There's a sacrifice involved there, especially circumstances. If your circumstances are such that you just found out a a medical report from a doctor that was very unfavorable or you've just gone through a financial hardship, those are the times when it's hardest for us to praise God. Yet those are the very times when we're instructed to give God all praise as is stated in the New Testament when we're asked to consider it all joy, count it all joy when we face these hardships and trials of various kinds. 
and praise him in the midst of those things when it is sacrificial. Don't wait till you feel like praising him. Don't wait till, hey, this is a great day to praise God because, hey, I, I just got a raise or I just got a clean bill of health or whatever the situation might be. It's easy to praise him in those times. That's the mountaintop times. It's hard to praise him in the valley. So I always encourage um, at my practice, praise him when you're in the valley. Why? Because it also lifts your focus. It changes your focus. Now you're, you're, you're moving from focusing on the negative circumstances to focusing on our most high God, who's above all of your negative circumstances, who's capable of turning those circumstances around for you. When you can change your focus like that, it also helps to lift your mood. It helps lift depression. It helps break depression. It helps break oppression. It helps calm anxiety. It helps bring peace. There's so many reasons to praise him when you're in the midst of a storm because he is the one and the only one who can bring you out of it. Finally, let's talk briefly about Jesus as victor. Jesus has won the victory over sin and death. He's won the victory over everything that binds us through this victory and his comfort that joy comes to us and the ability to live life in abundance and to the full so that we can say, along with the Apostle Paul in Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward what, ahead, what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. An encounter with our Jesus healing, delivering, and comforting us can send us in a whole new and different direction from where we used to be. This is victory. This is Jesus' victory for us. He gives us the victory and the grace and strength to overcome those things which attempt to keep us living under our circumstances, as I mentioned, versus above them. Because of his victory and his finished work on the cross, we can seek him for the victory that we need in our own lives. And as Jesus is, so are we in this world, according to 1 John 4, 17. The Apostle Paul also said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's all about Jesus. With him, all things are possible. So always come to Jesus, ask him for healing. Ask him for what you need and let him change you. Let him bring the transformation and the mind renewal and the uh, newfound sense of your identity in him and um, going from one level of glory to the next. Let him bring that to you. He wants to do this because he loves you and in the process you will become more like him. So to God be all the glory. And that's all of the time that we have left for tonight. I want to thank you so much for listening this evening. And I would also like to close us in a word of prayer. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to share from your word this evening, Lord God, the beautiful words penned in Isaiah chapter 61, Lord, how they were applicable back then and how they continue to be applicable to us in this current day. Your word never returns void. Your words never grow old. They're fresh and new. You give us understanding of your um Lord, the words that you've penned in Scripture in both the Old and New Testament, how they fit together perfectly for our lives, Lord God. So I just pray, Lord, that 
um, everyone who is who's listening this evening, Lord God, that you would just minister to hearts and lives. You'd minister to the needs that each person has, Lord. We thank you that you customize a healing journey for each one of us, Lord. You know us better than we could ever know ourselves, Lord God. We thank you for David, who would who would ask, Lord, that you would search his heart and know him, that you would see if there would be any wicked way within him and lead him in the way everlasting, Lord God. We ask the same, Lord. We ask that you would search our hearts, Lord, so that we would know what we need to approach you as, Lord God, in terms of healing, deliverance, comforting, and, and for the victory, Lord God. These are all gifts uh, that you provide for us, Lord God, not just gifts, Lord, but attributes of who you are in our lives, Lord God. You offer these things when we seek your face. Help us to seek your face, not just your hand. Lord, I pray that, that um, Lord, that the truths that were shared here this evening, Lord God, that would, they would bear good fruit in everyone who's listening, Lord. I pray that you would just um, cause that fruit to grow, Lord God. We pray that your uh, presence and comfort would be upon everyone that's within the sound of my voice tonight, Lord God, that this would be a message that would encourage, exhort, and empower, and just uplift the downcast, Lord God. Thank you that you are the lifter of our heads. We just ask now for a blessing of safety, protection, Lord God, going forward um, for all who are listening. And Lord, I thank you for this humbling opportunity, Lord God, um, to share your words of life um, with those who have called to be listeners this evening, Lord God. We just thank you for all of it. We give you all the glory. And we ask this all in your glorious and holy name. So thank you again so much for listening this evening. I hope you'll join me again next month for my next broadcast. It's the third Tuesday of every month at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And if you'd like to contact me directly at Healing Word, which is my private practice, please feel free to call 414-254-9862 or visit my website at healing-word.com. Thank you very much and God's richest blessings be upon you.